Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a gathering of people that want to know Jesus and love like Him. If you hear something today that you'd like to know more about, you should check out our other podcast, Rocky Unscripted, where we take a topic and through conversation and study, we go a little bit deeper. And right now, let's join today's message. Amen. Hey, Frederick Campus, good to have you join us live. Niwak Campus, everybody in the room. It's good to have you guys with us and everybody online. I want you to get to John chapter 6. And uh, we'll be there today. But before we get there, I want to celebrate something. Last week, if you were here, um, we gave t-shirts out to everybody. And so um, kind of thing, if you weren't here, here's what happened. When you walked in the room, uh, we gave you a card. And if you filled that card out um, and walked out and handed it to the booth out in the lobby, we would give you a t-shirt. T-shirts were super cool, new Rocky t-shirt. And guys, you guys are ridiculous. You'll do anything for a t-shirt. I mean, the lines were like... Just massive. I mean, there was tons of people out there that were like, give me this t-shirt. But here's what happened. When you got the t-shirt and you unrolled it, what happened was you got a card. Like we, we took a card from you and then we gave a card back to you. And on that card, there were three opportunities to serve. And we just around this place, we think it's really important just kind of give of our time and our, our abilities to serve other people. And so we gave three possible ways that you could serve somebody. And so you got your t-shirt, but you also got this card. And we said, hey, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we want you to jump in, choose one of these, and just see what God does with it. So here's how it happened in my house. My family all goes, right? They get their t-shirts. They come home. One kid who will remain unnamed walks in and is like, dude, I got my t-shirt. Check it out. And then he throws the card at me, and he's like, and I got this card, and I got to go serve somebody. <laughs> it's like oh, I'm, I'm glad, you know, you got that card and let's figure that out. But he's a little apprehensive just because what does that take? It's a little scary. My 12-year-old walks in the room. He comes in and he's like, guys, I got a t-shirt. Check this out. Just holds it up, you know, it's just kind of modeling his t-shirt. And then he's like, and I got a card and I've got to make cookies for everybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, he's like, well, not everybody in the neighborhood, but just the cul-de-sac. I got to make cookies. He was fired up and pumped, already knew which three, which of the three, probably chose it so he could eat cookies along with giving out cookies. But mom gave him, you know, the ingredients. She's like, man, I've got to go. I'm, I've got some stuff to do Sunday afternoon. And so, I mean, he's 12. She gave him the easiest recipe, no baked cookies. He made the most beautiful cookies and took them out to the cul-de-sac and gave them out. And it was an opportunity to serve. Now, how many of you have done, actually, I won't have you raise your hand. But both campuses, man, I hope you'll take that opportunity because you never know what connections you'll make and what opportunities that God will actually give you. Now, around this place, man, we just believe that serving at a one-time event or opportunity like that is great, but we actually believe serving at a longer-term basis, using your gifts to actually serve, is where it's really at. And so I, check, I want you to check out this story from Doug. I serve on the parking team or the guest services here at Niwot, and uh, I like it. I like getting out in the parking lot and seeing people outside, and I can still move around and, and just get to greet people and get to know them, maybe help a little bit out in the parking lot. Why I came to start serving was just, it was just simple to see the need of what was going on, and I, I could do that. I had the time. I think the other part, it, it really hit me at first coming here, because like I said, it was, it's so easy to walk in and walk out, you know, and it, it's, it's like it didn't feel right coming in and just coming in and out of a service, you know. Well, I think there's a lot of value in serving. I think there's personal value. Uh, and for me, 
I really appreciate the encouragement I get from others. I'm better at getting to know people on a one-on-one level. And um, I also just find it real encouraging. The people that I serve with and the staff I've got to know, um, they're just positive, they're encouraging, they're living out their faith, and it's just a great environment, I think, encourages me to be a part of that. And I also think, as a church, we have pastors and elders to lead the church, but as believers, we are the church. And so it's our responsibility to support and share the gospel in our communities and uh, allow as many people as possible to know Jesus like we do. So if, if you're not serving now, I would say just give it a try. It's, it's just a great way to interact with others that you're worshiping with. You know, people have different skill sets that can do different areas within the church much better than someone else. The good thing about Rocky too is it makes it so easy to serve. The staff is just really well organized and very friendly and helpful and the scheduling and reminders. It's just so easy to serve here. You just gotta find a place and, and, and jump in. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a QR code up on the screen right now. It's an opportunity for you. It's gonna come up right now, that QR code. There we are, both campuses. And that's an opportunity right there. If you just follow that link, it'll take you to a form that just says, um, hey, give us your information if you would like to serve and have some options of some different areas. Here's the cool thing. We'll leave it up there for a second. If you wanna get out your phone and just follow that link right now, you can do that. And it's not the kind of thing where you're committed tomorrow. It's the kind of thing where you're saying, hey, I want more information and we'd love to learn about the opportunities. Here's the neat thing about Doug. What Doug just said is, I, I serve on the parking team. What he did not say is it started with the parking team. So Doug just jumped in. And so we had some need for some workers in, on the parking team. And he was like, hey, I'll just jump in and do that. That's an easy serve opportunity. And so Doug jumps in. And then Doug serves with that team and he builds some community. And he's got some stuff going on in life at the time. He builds some camaraderie. He's got some friends. He's able to see them at church all the time when he walks in. And then we say, hey, we've, we've got this small groups thing. Doug, you've been in a couple like opportunities with our, our pathway groups. You've done Rooted and you've done one other. And we need some leaders for a group of people. Would you actually jump out and do that? And Doug's like, oh, I, I, I can do parking, but I don't know if I'd be good. And we talked to him a little bit about what it takes and, and a, a person that would help him do it. And Doug's like, okay, there's a need. I'll show up and I'll do it. Scared to death. I saw him the day before his first group and he's like shaking in his boots. After week 10, he's like, dude, that was the greatest thing. When do I sign up to do another one? And he's led a couple different groups. Now, not only has it been that, he's also, we said, hey, we've got another need. Didn't say it to Doug, we just said it to a bunch of people. We got another need. We got a bunch of kids, 1,200 kids playing in a basketball league, and we need coaches. And Doug's like, I don't know basketball huge. I don't know it's some, but I like kids, and I'm good with kids. I'll coach basketball. Started with a parking opportunity that went to other, into other things where he's now actually investing in helping people grow in groups and in basketball. Man, we need you guys to do that. Like there's an, uh, an epidemic, we had the pandemic, and after the pandemic, we had an epidemic of people not showing up in the church across America to actually serve. And so we wanna encourage you and to say, hey, if we're gonna reach more people, we need more people saying, I see the need and I'm ready to show up and to serve. So follow that QR code. We'd love to get you involved and our staff take care of you. John chapter six, I want us to go there. We're in a series that is all about our values. One of the biggest questions that gets asked is how do I grow in my faith? 
Like, what do I actually do? Like, what does it take to actually grow in my faith, get closer to Jesus, understand more about God, change my life in some areas? What we've done is we've established three values that we say, hey, these were the things that were important to Jesus. If you will do these things in your life, you will grow in your faith. So we've named them. First things first, it's investing in getting into the word of God. It's investing in putting God first in each area of our life, reading the Bible, praying, making time for that. Second one is go together. We do small groups and, and we, we arrange you guys in groups together to meet people and study the word of God together. We serve together. We, we go together. Then the last one is for the one. Now for the one is like we will, Jesus said he would leave the 99 to go after the one. So we invite, we invest in people's lives and we try to introduce people to Jesus. Now this series is a value series. We have three values, but we have four weeks. Why is that? Well, the reason is, is simply this, because we believe, we just feel like God's been putting it on our heart to add another value. And it's with that issue that the church has been having across America of people not showing up and using their gifts to serve. And so we just named the value, we called it show up. Not show up in the seats, but actually show up and see a need and fill the need. John chapter six, there is a great story about a little boy who saw a need and filled the need, and he was probably the most unlikely person to actually meet the need. Starting verse one, it says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. John is writing to multiple people, Jews and others, so he's giving context. So some call it the Sea of Galilee, some call it the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside. He sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now you read that, and from our English ears, all we hear is there was a big crowd, and it was Jesus had done some miracles. That was drawing a crowd, and it was around Passover time. To Jewish ears, they understood exactly why there was a big crowd around Passover time. See, Passover was the biggest festival, the biggest religious celebration throughout the year. It happened around our Easter time. So sometime the end of March through the end of April, depending on the year. And there were multitudes of people, like hundreds of thousands of people that would travel to Jerusalem for Passover. Jesus was heading to Passover. He was heading to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. There were about 100,000 people that lived in Jerusalem at the time. Josephus, a Jewish historian, was quoted in his writings saying that Jerusalem and the surrounding suburb areas would swell to almost a million people during Passover. So you already have these crowds that are heading to go and celebrate the Passover and go for the yearly sacrifice and, and to, to sacrifice for their families and go see the priests and do the stuff at the temple. But also at that time, Jewish nationalism was like at an all-time high during the year. So what you had is Jesus is doing miracles. Everybody's going to celebrate the feast, and they're all looking at him doing miracles and saying, this guy's probably the Messiah. So a crowd gathers. We're going to find out that it's a crowd of about fifteen to 20,000 people. Like the scripture says that he fed the 5,000. Now, in Jewish ways that they counted in those days, they would count the men only, not the women and the children, 5,000 was probably more like 15 to 20,000, a crowd that was following Jesus to, to Jerusalem, wanting 
to crown him as king. So Jesus is on the, on the way. This is the context. They're all following him. They're all committed. They're all excited. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and he saw the great crowd t- coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already knew what he had in mind, what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Like, I don't don't know why Jesus stops here and picks on Philip, but he does. And he picks on Philip and he's like, it's kind of like when you do this with your kids, you're like, hey, give me the answer to this question. And you already know the answer. You're just trying to coach them through some things. Jesus is trying to develop some faith in Philip. And so he says, what do you think you ought to do? And Philip's been doing the math. He's like, Jesus, this many people, 20,000 people, this would take like more than a half a year's wages to feed all of them. And about that time, Andrew, Andrew shows up and he's like, well, I, I, got, I got somebody with some bread and some fish, right? And, and maybe, maybe this could help. And what's really interesting is you've got Philip who's kind of questioning. You've got Judas over to the side who's got the money bag, and he is freaking out. He's like, Jesus, we can't afford a half a year's wages, right? And you've got Andrew who's like, hey, we'll just try to bring a solution here. Now, interesting enough, with Andrew, Andrew's mentioned three times in the Gospels. Do you know what he's doing all three times in the Gospels? He's bringing somebody to Jesus. That's all Andrew ever does. Like you go later in the book of Acts and first guy he brings to Jesus is Peter, his brother, right? And Peter ends up being a big deal. He's one of the inner three disciples. He ends up being the leader of the church. Andrew was the connector. And he connected Jesus with Peter. And then Peter, Jesus, when he left, he said, Peter, you're gonna lead this whole thing. And Andrew's not even hardly mentioned in the book of Acts. He's not one of the church leaders. He's not one of the like upfront guys. He's not mentioned as a missionary, none of that stuff. The only time he's mentioned is he brings Peter to Jesus, which Peter walks on water, has the biggest baptism service in the church, baptizes 3,000 people on the first day of the church. I mean, he becomes an incredible leader. The other time is he introduces this boy to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, here's this boy. You need to meet this boy. And Jesus takes his five loaves and two fish that we'll see, and he feeds 15 to 20,000 people. The other time is he brings a bunch of Greeks And he says, hey, you guys are a little messed up in your theology and understanding. You need to meet Jesus so he can correct this. Now, interesting enough, we're going to talk about this show up idea, this kind of volunteering, like giving of what you've got to give, that value. But what Andrew lived out in this passage is he lived out the value for the one. Because what Andrew was, is he was a connector. And so the whole for the one idea is, is we will leave the 99, Jesus said. I would, the shepherd left the 99 sheep to go find the one who wasn't where he was supposed to be. And that's what Andrew was constantly doing. He was like, you need to meet Jesus because of this. Peter, you're a fisherman. You're hating your job. You need more purpose in your life. All this, you need to meet Jesus. And Peter goes on to do When was the last time? that you were a connector and you connected somebody with an opportunity to meet Jesus? It doesn't have to be like, you know, opening up your Bible and When was the last time you introduced them to something that would be a pathway to run into Jesus? Was it last month? Was it last week? Was it yesterday? 
Has it been a while? Was it last year? Or national statistics say for Christians across the nation that the average Christian will never lead someone to a saving relationship with Jesus in their lifetime? Zero. You see, if, if we use our ability to connect just to build business connections, to network, to close deals, to build friendships, to find a person to be with, to, if we only use our ability to connect people together for ourselves, we are missing what God has called us to do. God has uniquely placed you where you are to be a connector, to be an inviter, and it's not as hard as you think it is. That's why we got a basketball program, an easy opportunity for you to say, hey, you got kids, you should jump into this basketball program. That's why we got a marriage conference that's coming up the end of November, beginning of December, to say, hey, you, I, I hear you, you've got some marriage issues. You should come with me to this marriage thing. Hey, we're starting a series at my church on fear, and you're talking about a lot of anxiety and difficulty, and that starts next week. You should come with me to my church and sit with me and experience this series and see if it helps. Those are easy opportunities. And what Andrew did is Andrew just kind of stepped in and he was like, hey, you little kid, you need to come meet Jesus. Now, it's not as like clean as I make it sound. Like you, sh you should invite people, but if we go back to Andrew inviting this kid, it's not nearly as clean as I actually make it sound. He, he says this in verse eight and nine. It says another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. Here's a boy. He says to Jesus, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And here's the line. But how far will they go among so many? I mean, I made a sound earlier like, like it was like, oh, we got to feed all these people. Wow. Anybody got anything? Grab the kid. The kid's like, I got my lunchbox. And he's like, here we go. Jesus got a solution. It was not like that. What's interesting is you, is you go into the passage and you look at the book of Mark. You have to go to the, the book of Mark to actually get the details. Like John gives the brushstroke. Mark gives a little more detail. So Philip, Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, how are we gonna feed these guys? Philip's man, I don't know. It's gonna take a half a year's wages. And then it says what Jesus did is he looked at the disciples and he said, hey, do this for me. Why don't you guys go out? And Jesus just messing with their heads. He's just playing with their heads right here. He's like, he's like hey, why don't you guys go out and see if any, anybody has any bread to help? And the disciples, you know, like if I'm Andrew, if I'm Philip, I'm going, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want you to go ask. And I'm going, even if I find 100 people with bread, we're not feeding 20,000 people with this bread, Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, I asked you to do something. Get out there and do it. It's kind of like what you do with your kids to make go do something that they're going to learn a lesson from. And so I can just see Andrew going, okay, all right. So he walks out and he kind of walks out a little bit out in the crowd and he looks and he's like, hey guys, uh, anybody got any bread? Because there's a whole lot of people, people here and Jesus just asked if anybody's got any bread that could help. And everybody's looking at him going, if I had bread, I ain't giving it to you because I gotta feed my people on the way to Jerusalem. I'm not giving it to you because there's a little self-preservation going on. I'm not gonna be able to feed all these people. And then out of the corner of his eye over here, there's a little boy. You just imagine it happen this way. There's a little boy, I don't know how old he is. I don't know if he's five years old. I don't know if he's six years old, seven years old, but he's still got that mind. Like my 12 year old, here's my card. I gotta make cookies for everybody, right? And he just says, hey, Andrew, 
um, I, got, I got a lunchbox, maybe I could help. And it says he had five barley loaves and two fish. Understand what this meant. John was giving context all over the place. The barley loaves were the food of the poor. Like what he had was he had five small pieces of toast. <laughs> These were not big loaves of bread. These were just unleavened. They were, they were about, the barley loaves were usually about four inches in diameter. They were flat as a pancake, no yeast in them. Didn't have a whole lot of taste. The fish were probably not fish. It was probably like sardines, like a pickled spread that they would put over the bread just to give it a little taste. This boy had barely enough to keep his hunger pains gone. But Jesus asked for it. And he'd heard a lot of things that Jesus had done. So this little boy's the one guy out of, out of 5,000 men and however many women and, and children, he's the one that just naively raises his hand and he's like, hey, I got a lunchbox. I bet this, and I bet, I bet Andrew, first of all, was like, hey, buddy, pat him on the head. That's so cute, you know, thank you, thank you. But I don't know if that, and the kid's just adamant. So I'm sure Andrew just grabs a kid and he's like, okay, this is gonna be like meeting Patrick Mahomes or Steph Curry for this kid. So we're gonna go get an autograph for Jesus. We're gonna pat him on the head and then we'll send him back. And I can just see Andrew walking this kid over. And Jesus sees him coming. He knows exactly what he's going to do with it. He gets down on his knees. He grabs a kid's lunchbox, gives the kid a fist bump, and says, watch this. And then John goes on to write what happened. 5,000 men, a whole bunch of other people did exactly what you would do, exactly what I would do. It'd be like, seriously? Give you my bread, and we think we're going to feed a bunch of these people? And one little kid that gave Jesus what he got, and here's what ends up happening. In verse 10, it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed it to all of those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, and when they had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 basketful with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Guys, Andrew, Andrew looks, he brings this boy to Jesus and he, and he, says, he says, Jesus, um, there's this boy and he's got something but I don't think it's gonna be enough. He literally says, I, I don't think it's enough. Guys, that is the fear that keeps most of us on the sidelines and not in the game. That's the fear where most of us, we just get in this self-preservation mode and we sit in the seats when it comes to faith and we come and we get encouraged on Sundays. We listen to good worship. We, we, we listen to a message that's helpful and gets us kind of ready for our week. And we come at one of the campuses or we watch online when we're out of town or whatever, all that stuff. And, but for many of us, getting past the seat and actually saying, there's a need and I can fill it. Actually showing up and saying, hey, I, I got five loaves and two fish. I know it ain't much, but we have this fear that what we have to offer is not enough. If you're old, you think, well, I'm too old, and those young people aren't gonna think I'm enough. If you're young, you're like, I don't have enough experience, and I don't know if I'm ready for that, and, and I don't know if, if I got enough wisdom, so I don't know if I, I just you know, respond and step up and say, hi, I can fill that need, because I don't think it's enough. Say, I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough talent. 
don't know if my personality is enough. I mean, it's just, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? And what Jesus says is you don't have to feed the whole 5,000. What you have to do is just show up and give them what you got. And the reality is, is the fear that you have is the same fear that everybody has of is my stuff enough? I've got the same fear. I remember becoming the lead pastor here at this church 11 years ago. It was 11 years this last month. And I remember coming in, and I'd never been a lead pastor before. Heck, I'd only preached 12 times total in, in the most in any one year. Preached 47 times my first year. And I remember just the overwhelming feeling of, am I enough? Am I enough to lead this? Am I, am I gonna have what needs to be said? Am I gonna be helpful to people? Do I have enough things to say to actually help people and change people's lives? And what I began to realize over time is God was saying, hey, there, it's not just you. There's a whole bunch of these people out here. Like all these people with just different gifts and all these staff with all these different gifts, it's not just on you. You're not supposed to feed the 5,000. You're just supposed to bring me what, what you got. And guys, here's a really interesting thing. This last year, you know, you just have that wonder. Is it, do we have what it takes? Is it enough? This last year in 2022, in churches that are affiliated with us, we're not a denomination, but we have a group of churches we're loosely affiliated with. They did, a, they did a survey in 2022 of churches our size, large churches um, with multiple campuses, and they checked how many baptisms that they had in 2022. The average church our size had 34 baptisms for the year. Guys, the baptism that you saw was 133 for partway through this year. We're gonna hit 200 baptisms this year, not because of anything I do up here, because of everything that you do and we do together, serving and bringing just the little bit we've got to Jesus to say, hey, could you take that and do something with it? The reality is this, Jesus takes your little bit he takes a little bit that you've got to offer. He's taking what Doug have to offer, and he said, Doug, this is really good, but I could use you over here too. And he multiplied it. And then he said, man, this is really good, but we could even use you over here. And he's multiplied it. God takes your gifts and your abilities, and we just jump in, and when you serve, like you're that person sitting in the Frederick campus, and I don't know if I know. When you jump in and you serve, he's saying, you don't have to feed the 5,000. You just gotta give me what you got. And what Jesus does is he's a multiplier. That person sitting right here, you guys right here at the Niwak campus, he's a multiplier. He takes the little bit you've got, adds it to the little bit I've got, adds it to the little bit everybody else has got, and he multiplies it. But here's the problem. Jesus cannot multiply what you're not willing to give. Jesus cannot multiply what you are not willing to give in your ability. There were 5,000 men and however many women and children, nobody else. And, I, and maybe this wisdom would say, this ain't gonna help, so I'm not gonna step up. But the deal is with Jesus, is the things that we look at that we think are impossible, he says are very possible. Book of Mark, Mark just writes, and he says what's, Jesus just quotes Jesus, and he says what's impossible with man is always possible with God. That's what he does. So my question to you would be, are you just sitting in a seat? Or are you seeing a need and showing up? That's the value, seeing a need and showing up and filling the need. 
was at a conference this last week because a lot of times what, what people, I'll tell you that in a second, but a lot of times what people will do is they'll look at us when we talk about this idea of serving and volunteering and say, well, the church needs that. It's all about the church. No, at a conference this last week, the question always gets asked, how do, I, how do we grow in our faith? And then like, how do we understand God more? And, and what is it that you do to really spiritually grow? So Barna, a research group that surveys Christians and religion and churches, they did a large survey across America. They asked people, what is the thing that helps you grow the most in your faith? You know what the number one thing was? It was not serving. It was reading your Bible. It was reading your Bibles, getting in scripture, just understanding that, the, that scripture even says that the word of God is living and active, sharpened any double-edged sword. What it does is it speaks to us. Timothy says that it's, it's, it, it's God breathed, right? It is God speaking straight to us. So we grow through that. They even said that reading your Bible will decrease thoughts of depression, um, loneliness, and suicide. But then they went on and they said, you know what the second thing is that people say that helps them grow the most spiritually? The second thing is serving. And here's what they said. You take serving and reading the Bible and going to church. So reading the Bible with other people, going to church, reading your Bible and serving together. You put those together and it takes all those numbers about like um, loneliness, depression, and thoughts of suicide. It takes them and it like doubles or triples the, the statistics. It's like it lowers those things like you would not believe when you're using your, you're learning about God and then using your gifts, creating community and seeing God do something through you that you couldn't do by yourself. So this isn't something that we stand up here and we say, hey, everybody sign up to serve because this is really good for us. No, this is good for you. You heard Doug say it. This was good for, for like me. I got to meet people, I got to grow, I got to see things that I didn't know if I could do, and, and then other opportunities. You see, you're not supposed to like feed the whole 5,000, you're just supposed to bring what you have to Jesus, and what he does is he becomes a multiplier. Now, how do you do that? First Peter, so Andrew's brother, Peter, wrote the books of First and Second Peter. He writes and he talks about just how we do this. And he uses the idea, he doesn't say the word spiritual, but he uses the word gift. In 1 Peter 4, 10, 11, he talks about spiritual gifts. That each and every one of you have been given a spiritual talent, a spiritual ability that is hardwired into your personality, into who you are. So every single person, you're sitting right here in the seats, you're sitting right there at Frederick, you're online, you have something hardwired into your personality that you're good at. We've talked about that before. Like what do people look at you and say, dude, you're just so natural at that. It just comes out of you naturally. And then when you do that thing, it seems to have good results. And then everybody else is like, man, that thing you do, it's just, wow, that's, that's so good. And I wish I had that talent. You have that stuff hardwired into you. Now, Peter says it this way. He says, each one of you should use whatever gift, spiritual gift, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its very various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. There's a lot of people that serve in the church and speak. Teach children, teach adults, teach a small group, teach up here, lead worship. Those are upfront gifts and abilities where people communicate. But then he says, if anyone serves, they should do it, do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. So there's upfront gifts, but then he says serving in the idea of behind the scenes gifts. 
parking team, security team, guest services team, hospitality team, the people that do coffee out front, that you guys love that and flock there each morning, just hang out and talk. Those people serve and give an opportunity. Tech teams, people are doing things that make it possible for us to, to stream between two campuses real time. People who are serving in the community, people who work with kids. I mean, there's all kinds of different opportunities. And Peter says, you have something hardwired into you that you are supposed to steward and use. Now, Paul goes on and talk, and we won't read them, but Paul goes on and talks in 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians, and gives a list of spiritual gifts. And listen to what he says, because some of you are like, well, I'm not up front, I'm not sure. Listen to this. He says, the gift of leadership, hospitality, sharing your faith, teaching, organizing, wisdom, discernment, administration, compassion, mercy. I mean, it just goes on and on. Like there's a gift that you have and there's a possibility and opportunity for you to use it somewhere. Cool story. There's a guy named Dave. We had our last small group launch. Dave was in a small group with Mitch Comstead, who was our our, um, group's director does all our spiritual development in groups. And so he sets up the pathway. He had a men's group. Dave's in the men's group. So Dave is a cook. Like he loves to cook food. And he's a big burly guy and goatee and everything. And he just loves to cook. And so he said, he said, hey, we got the small group launch coming up. We've been talking about and rooted about using our gifts. I'm a cook. How can I use that? And so Mitch is like, hey, Dave, I don't know how much you cook and how much you're used to. He's like, I had a restaurant. I've done all kinds of stuff. He's like, man, if you could make the meal for our 175 people that will come to our new groups launch, that would be incredible. So Dave goes to work. He recruits his small group of guys, which half of them have never cooked before in their life, right? But he's the one setting it up and doing it. He recruits his dudes to come help him. He smokes the most amazing barbecued meat you've ever had, multiple kinds. Everybody's coming to the launch. They're excited about small groups because the food was so good. Like if the food is good, the small group would probably be good. And it was fantastic. And then Dave's like, hey, you know, I could help with like shine prom. I could help with this. I could use my gift of cooking. Dave made up a, made up a volunteer opportunity and a team to be able to serve. So you have no excuse, right? Each and every one of you, you have gifts and abilities. And I'm telling you, there are some gifts and abilities that you have that I do not have. And you don't want me anywhere near doing something that you're gifted to do because God gifted you to do it and not me. And you would look at me and go, I don't want to stand up there. (laughs) But I would love to do this. I just didn't know that it might be available for me to do this. Guys, here's, here's the thing. Jesus gave us a mission, and it's a big one. His last words to his disciples, his last words to his disciples, he looked at them, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, like do the church, go and make disciples of all nations, like in all places, all people groups to the end of the, world, end of the earth baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
He sent his disciples and just 50 days later they start the church and people start coming and there's a flood of people coming in and Peter looks at the, John and Andrew and the, James and the other disciples and he's like, guys, we are getting overwhelmed with the needs uh, of the, all the jobs that need to be done and we should be teaching because nobody here right now has the Bible. Like we're the only ones that have the message of Jesus. So what we've been gifted to do is to teach and to lead and to share Jesus' message with people. And so what they did is they appointed the administration and the leadership of the church to seven guys. And they said, you, and then there was a bunch of ladies that got involved and all kinds of people. And they went out and they led the church. And then the church didn't just stay in Jerusalem because people started using their gifts. And all of a sudden there was a guy named Paul and Barnabas that were in the church. And they were like, dude, we need to send you out. You got a passion for the Gentiles, so they sent them out. And because people use their gifts, you are sitting here today. If it had just been Peter and the other disciples, <laughs> church would have stayed in Jerusalem, probably died. You see, what Jesus says to every one of us, what Peter wrote, is that you are to be the steward of the gift or gifts that God has given you. And if you are just coming and filling a seat on a Sunday morning, you're actually not following the way Jesus wants you to follow. What he wants you to do, the value we're talking about is he wants you to show up, see a need, and fill a need. Show up and not have to feed the 5,000, but show up and say, I'm just going to give what I've got to you, Jesus, and I am willing to simply say yes. So I'm gonna put that QR code back up there right now. And I'm just gonna say, here's the value. We've got four values, you know the other three. The value is this, show up. And what show up means is you see a need and you show up to fill it. You realize that, hey, you know, sometimes we don't think we're enough. Sometimes I don't think I'm enough. But here's what I know, when I show up with Jesus, he doesn't just make it enough. What he does is he makes it more than enough. So you show up with your gift at the Frederick campus or the Niwak campus, you show up with your gift. And what Jesus is gonna do is he's gonna be a multiplier and he's gonna multiply it and feed the 5,000 with it. Because you and you and you and all of us together are willing to show up and see the need and fill the need. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But I do know what he's willing to bless and what he's willing to produce in your life when you show up and you give what you've got. Church, here's the deal. This is the kind of church we're gonna be. It's almost like foot in the stand kind of moment. This is the kind of church that we are gonna be. There is a, an epidemic across America following the pandemic where there's a whole lot of spectators, but there's not a whole lot of players. And here's what I know. I've never seen a trophy given out to a spectator. It's always the people that are in the game and are playing. And you know what, the people who are in the game, we have a whole lot of fun cheering unless we're Bronco fans right now, right? We have a whole lot of fun cheering, but it is a whole lot more fun and impactful and meaningful and purposeful to be in the game. So I do wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to show up. I want us to be that kind of church because here's what I know, there's a whole lot of teenagers out there right now they don't know who they are on the inside. They're dealing with depression. They're dealing with bullying at school. They're struggling with their identity. And they need some, some youth volunteers that will be like, I'll work with kids. There's a whole bunch of children. There's a whole bunch of parents 
that are like, man, if I could just drop my kid off and actually have someone teach them, I don't know how to teach them. So if somebody else would just teach them, then maybe I can go sit in a service and actually learn myself what I should be teaching my kid. We need some people to hold babies and take care of five-year-olds. We need some people to lead small groups with a bunch of adults that are coming together saying, my marriage is falling apart. I don't get this God thing. And just lead a conversation and let the Bible and the Holy Spirit do its work. We need people to do all kinds of behind the scenes jobs and we would just love for you to say, I'm willing to show up because here's what I believe. I believe that God will take this church and blow the doors off of it if we will just simply show up and hand our little five loaves and two fish to him and he'll be like, all right, let's go get the multitude out there. So church, he's gonna feed the 5,000 with or without us. I think it'd be a whole lot more fun if he did it with us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each and every person who is serving. There's so many people. I just look out at the faces here, know the faces at, at the uh, Frederick campus, and we have so many incredible volunteers. Uh, Father, I think there's a whole lot of people missing out on some of the best friends that they can make, missing out on some purpose and some hope, missing out on seeing just the fe- and feeling that, like they could be useful and valuable. Um, Father, help us just to realize that you just want us to bring what we've got so God, we just love you. We ask for your grace to be upon us. Um, Father, I pray that you would multiply our efforts and that you would reach many, many people for you and then bless us in the process for giving what we've got. And so God, we love you. Pray you will bless those who serve, who serve and sign up. It's in Jesus' name.